Welcome to the Old Galway Diary podcast. Each week, Tom Kenny and I, Ronnie O'Gorman, write a column in the Galway Advertiser. Before it goes to press, we contact each other and share what is filling the page that particular week. This podcast is that conversation. And I would add, we enjoy talking to you and would appreciate if you would give us a rate and review on the Apple Podcast app. Morning, Tom. Hello, Ben. Good morning to you. Great. Now, have we any reports on Ronnie? Um, well, yeah, he's he's uh, listening away, so he'll be on to us now once he hears this. But um, he's doing well. He's on his recovery. Yeah. He's still a few weeks away, but he's uh, doing his best to get back on, on the air soon. Yeah, nobody asks me anymore. How are you, Tom? They all say, how's Ronnie? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's getting lots of messages of support, which he... <laughs> that's, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm delighted to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this week I want to talk about Lynch's Castle. Oh, yeah. Lynch's Castle is in the centre of Galway. It is one of the very finest surviving medieval townhouses uh, and certainly one of the best-known examples of pre-Renaissance architecture in Ireland. It's it's essentially a two-piece, uh, two-period structure, I beg your pardon. The original 16th century castle was <coughs> square, and it was roughly the size of the ground floor of the vestibule of the bank. In mm-hmm. other words, it was quite small, really. Yeah. Uh, and the portion then <coughs> along Shop Street, that came later uh, in around the year 1808. The, it's, the extension is evident, certainly, to the practiced eye um, from the masonry and the exterior of the building. And uh, the molds, the window hood molds in this section are quite different in character uh, and in detail and in the carving from the very original work. It's probable that the whole, the entire interior was remodeled in 1808. And the stories were also altered at the time. Uh, the wind, everything, the window hood molds, the panels, the gargoyles, all of these were being were moved at the time to their present positions. Nice. So it's hard, really, the original location of these features can only be guessed at. Uh, you know, it, if you examine the molding profiles and other details, ornamental details uh, of all of these elements on the facade of the building, uh, it would suggest that a lot of them belong to the original castle. Uh, or, or maybe were the product of the same workshop, the same man carving them all. Yeah. They're finely carved. They're very finely carved, actually, from local limestone. And the richness and the abundance of these uh, and of the detail in these really point out to us the wealth of Galway merchants in the early 16th century, because mm-hmm. these would have been very expensive to produce the early features that are worthy of note uh they're prever- preserved i beg your pardon on the exteriors of the shop street and abigate street walls uh we don't know which member of the lynch family built the castle but 
his coat of arms, the Lynch coat of arms, and Merchant's Mark can be seen. They're on the hood mold stops of the second story windows. Uh, the mark is to be seen in several places. Uh, there's a very large rectangular panel on this wall, and that bears the royal arms of Henry VII, the mm. King of England, from 1485 to 1509. So we, it gives us a good idea of the actual date of the castle being built. So there are a lot of other important features. There's a, a carving of a lion. Now, it's very often mistaken uh, for a monkey. It's holding an animal in its claws and it's biting its head. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> these are much photographed. And in today's world, with big, long lenses and cameras and things, people can photograph these in enormous detail. The gargoyles, which are there, they're very similar to the ones on St. Nicholas Collegiate Church. Although they don't really work as their original purpose meant them to work, which was carrying water from the roof clear of the building itself and just dropping the water, the rainwater, onto the footpath. The premises <clears throat> was much altered in 1880. Peter Kerwin bought it from the then owner, the Right Honourable Henry Ormsby. Ken Kerwin opened a candle-making shop on Shop Street. Mm. Uh, and we can see that in a photograph, actually, that I have which dates from about that time, about 1880. Um, next door to it was the Connacht Fruit Store, uh, and it was certainly that in 1902, but we have an advertisement for that year as well <clears throat> for a cigar emporium, which promoted, according to themselves, they had the finest stock of tobacco, cigars, cigarettes, tobacconist fancy goods in town. Uh, now, in, in, uh, in 1903, the following year, that became, it changed. It was called the Castle Bar, and it was run by James Smith. It seems kind of strange to have, uh, today, to think of a pub in Lynch's Castle. Anyway, in 1918, uh, Peter Kerwin's daughter, and Mrs. Burke, she put the castle up for auction. And I have an advertisement from the Tomb Herald of the Day, advertising the fact, uh, telling us what the castle is and uh, what it contains in terms of rooms and all of that kind of thing. Oh, wow. and, and, and the Munster and Leinster Bank, then they leased it from her uh, as a preliminary to kind of outright purchase. And they converted the two shops on the ground floor into a bank office, uh, they changed some of the windows. They put in new windows, but they were carved and a doorway in the early 1930s. The main doorway was actually carved by a Dublin sculptor. Lawrence Campbell is his name. And we can see on it, uh, you know, uh, emblems of the four provinces of Ireland. Um, and in the course of extending the bank premises at the time, they discovered this magnificent 17th century fireplace. And you can see that in the vestibule. They've changed that into the vestibule today. Yeah. The Frank Dorgan was the manager of the bank there in the mid-60s. He was an extraordinary visionary man. And <clears throat> he had the whole exterior stonework cleaned. I remember 
this process going on and how it actually changed the building. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, he repointed, he added, repointed some of it. He added an extension then onto the Abbey Gate Street side in the early 70s. Uh, and later, flood lighting was introduced. Uh, and, you know, wh when you think of it, we should be very grateful to Allied Irish Bank, for all, which they're now called, yeah. for all of the work they have done in taking care of <clears throat> and preserving and maintaining this extremely historic building. Yeah. It is one of the best-known buildings in Galway. It's an iconic reminder of our past and of the wealth of Galway merchants, as described in the early 1500s and 1600s. And, uh, you know, it's it's part of our history, and yeah. it's well worth walking into, even, even just into the vestibule. It's kind of like a small public museum, well worth walking into. Yeah. So highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful. But that's building. me to speak. Yeah, well, it's the nicest building on Shop Street for sure. It's great. Well, it doesn't have much competition, yes. I'm yeah, afraid. No. Yeah, it certainly beats <laughs> Boots and uh, whatever else. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I have: a photograph from about 1880, and an advertisement describing the building in 1980. Great stuff. And uh, Tom, tell us as well about the ex exhibition in Kenny's. Um, that coincides with your 50th year uh, writing in the advertiser? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I've been under pressure for some time to put this, to put a collection together in the form of an exhibition. Yeah. And we have done exactly that. We have taken 45 images, all of which have been published in the Galway advertiser, and we have blown them up. And some of them we have really blown them up. Uh, <clears throat> there is a very famous image of the Oireachtas in Galway in 1913, a, a group of about 100, 100, I don't know how many exactly, but 100 anyway, people outside the town hall. And it's <clears throat> an extraordinary mixture of Irish language writers, of Gaelgors, of uh, politicians, and of political people. There are three, at least three people who would go on to become president. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of signatories of the 1916 proclamation, Pierce, McDonough, etc. Yeah. Uh, very, very distinguished people. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> well, it was a lovely story because uh, the Curran family, when their mother died in Dublin, some, whatever, 15 years ago, <clears throat> In going through her papers, they came across this photograph. They knew she was in Conor and Nagoilga, so they knew it was that that was what the photograph was of, Conor and Nagoilga, but yeah. they had no idea where it was taken. <clears throat> and when they found out that it was in the town hall, they sent a copy of the photograph to Fergal McGrath. Yeah. He, in turn, sent it on to me, and I called this family, and uh, I thought it this was fantastic, this photograph, because it, we only knew a few people in it at that stage. Yeah. But I said it's um, <clears throat> the, the, the copy that you sent, Fergal, it's not great. And sometime, if we can get a chance, uh, we would love to scan it properly. Mm. So three members of the family drove to Galway the following day with the photograph, and we scanned it properly, and we blew it up and <clears throat> realized the potential.
And then we got a group together, which included the current family, uh, myself, a number of people from um, the Irish department in college. And we sat down with a lot of books of photographs of different writers trying to identify the people in the photograph. Yeah, and it, the advertiser published it. In, it was a two-page spread in 2013 on the centenary of the photograph. And uh, a couple of days later, the Irish Times and the Irish Independent both published it. Yeah. And this gave it national significance and also, importantly, meant we got occasional letters or calls from wherever, County Carlo or County Donegal, saying, I think that's my grandfather that's yeah. up there, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> anyway, we have blown this up now, and it was actually a mistake between ourselves and Snap Printing. Uh, it's eight foot long now. Wow. And even though it's taken 100 years ago, the photograph still retains its sharpness and crispness. And it makes it even more interesting looking at all the people in it. <clears throat> There's one man in it who looks incredibly like uh, Leo Varadkar. <laughs> but anyway, um, and so that's one example. We Some of them we've blown up to about four feet square kind of thing. Yeah. And, but most of them would be about uh, well, two foot by 15 inches, something like that. Yeah. And But the fascinating thing is I have lived with these photographs for years and... Uh, but looking at them blown up like this, suddenly you're seeing details that you had never seen before. Yeah. Uh, and already the, the response, the public response to it has been extraordinary. Uh, we, we were absolutely packed all day yesterday. It was wonderful. Yeah. And a lot of Galway accents and where's that place now? And I don't know. Do you know where you, uh, uh, there's a huge amount yeah. of discussion and debate going on. And it's terrific. And also, interestingly, uh, a lot of suggestions. Uh, the corporation should do this. and the corp Now, yeah. the corporation <laughs> have sponsored this <laughs> exhibition. Yeah. They have sponsored it. They couldn't have been more generous, I have to say. And furthermore, they now have plans to tour this show. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm not quite sure where yet. They're talking about maybe Ballyban Library, Westside Library, yeah. the library in the middle of town, the museum. I don't know. That's great. But they're talking about it. Uh, in other words, it's going to have a life. It's not going to just close when we close it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it deserves to be seen. And there are terrific suggestions, you know, uh, that this one of Buttermilk Lane, which is magnificent, you're actually standing in the lane a hundred years ago when you're looking at this. Uh, they want um, people were saying that should be put under glass and hung at the bottom of uh, Buttermilk Lane on Anthony Ryan's shop, and yeah. everybody would blah blah blah, you know, or <laughs> that we should have one of these um, electronic device things where. Uh, at each at the location of each photograph, you would have some kind of a I I don't understand this. Yes, a QR uh, code. Click on it with your phone. Yeah, you scan it, it and it will show you. Yeah, that's image. a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things coming out of it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's of interest, certainly, and um and, and it'll delighted. it'll be in pennies until the end of the end of August, is that right? Yeah, at the end of the month we have it for uh, but we open a very important exhibition after that. So, great. Uh, 
we may bring it back to our, ourselves as well later. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds terrific. Yeah, great. All right. So even though I say so myself, yes, I <laughs> recommend anybody that is interested in this city, yeah, of ours and its history, and its geography and its people, uh, yeah. to come and see it because it is fasc- a fascinating kind of overview of about a hundred years of Galway life. Yeah. Well, that's remarkable. It's great to have it yeah, all in yeah. one place as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great, Tom. Well, Shine. There yeah. you go. That's all me right, for bro. this week. Yeah. Well, we'll chat. Uh, we'll chat next week. So. Lacuna J. Yeah. Okay, okay Ben. See yeah. you now. Bye. Yeah.